friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. Happy to be back with you guys for another episode. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at Donato's Pizza here in Bowling Green. My buddy Spence Sheldon is the owner there, and they're doing some great work for the community right now. Yesterday, they gave out 600 free pizzas to members of the community. If you live in the Bowling Green area, please go support them because it's locally owned. The pizza is fantastic. But more importantly, right now, they're still open for carryout as well as delivery with a no-contact delivery option per your request. So if you're in the Bowling Green area and wondering what to do for your next meal, be sure to give Donato's a call. Hey, this is the second installment of my April Athlete Features. And as a reminder, every Thursday in April, I'll be featuring an athlete whose season or career was cut short due to COVID-19. If you missed last Thursday's episode with University of Oklahoma softball player Shannon Sale, definitely go check that out. My guest this week is San Diego Padres pitcher Jarrett Eikhoff. Jarrett is a fellow Evansville native, and he was almost also a Western Kentucky Hilltopper, but he ended up getting drafted by the Texas Rangers in the summer of 2011 and ended up signing a professional contract, so we can't fault him there. He was traded to the Philadelphia Phillies in 2015 and then played five years there before signing a minor league deal with the Padres this offseason. And if you're a baseball fan at all, you're probably aware of what's going on in terms of the pay discrepancy between the minor leagues and the major leagues. It's a pretty significant one, like to the point where many minor leaguers are living near the poverty level when it comes to income. And on March 13th, minor leaguers saw their spring training suspended with no timetable for when baseball activities would resume. And unlike major leaguers, minor league players don't get paid for spring training and would have to wait until April 9th when games were supposed to start for their checks to come in. Obviously, baseball is not happening right now, and so a lot of these minor leaguers have returned home wherever their home is and are either having to just train on the side or work some side jobs and make some money however they can to live while they wait for baseball to resume. So this week we also partnered with More Than Baseball, which is a nonprofit 501c3 organization led by current and former minor leaguers. And the goal was to kind of help raise awareness for this. And according to More Than Baseball, before the season was suspended, minor leaguers were set to make between $1,170 and about $1,650 per month for five months. And they wrote in a press release that minor leaguers risk not being able to comply with state or local shelter-in-place orders to hold jobs and make money. More than baseball and MLB, along with some other organizations, worked together to form a plan to provide a guaranteed $400 a week for minor league players, at least through May, but there's no telling when the shutdown will end. So before we get to the conversation with Jared, I got to sit down with More Than Baseball Executive Director Jeremy Wolf for about 15 minutes and talk about this and the needs that minor leaguers are having right now. So here's my conversation with Jeremy on what More Than Baseball does and how we can help their efforts. So, so More Than Baseball is a nonprofit built to help minor league baseball players get housing, food, equipment, career services, financial guidance, mental health coaching, nutrition coaching. We're helping teach Latin guys um, English. We're helping get um, players either high school diplomas, GEDs, getting into college. Uh, we're, uh, we're a place that minor leaguers can seek assistance because, um, because it's hard to play minor league baseball and, and we're just filling in the holes um, you know, in this environment. Uh, we are a tool for player development. Uh, we help uh, minor league baseball players play better by 
worrying about them off the field and that'll help them on the field. Uh, so when I present our ideas to Oakland or St. Louis or New York or whoever, uh, we are a tool for, for their development. We are filling in the holes of player development where teams can use us and utilize us as a place to help um, minor leaguers play better. If I can help a kid get one more hit a week just by giving him access to an affordable mattress or helping feed him better or helping him do a, uh, you know, helping him get better equipment and or helping him with mental health coaching and therefore helping him sleep better, it, it all revolves around making sure that he's focused on his performance because that's all he wants to focus on. He doesn't want to focus on where his money's going to go. He doesn't want to focus on, um, you know, all of these different issues surrounding playing. And I was a minor leaguer once. I played for two years with the New York Mets. Um, so my, Slade Heathcott, my partner, played uh, 10 years of minor league ball with the Yankees, got a year or two in the big leagues. Uh, we have a current player, Simon Rosenblum Larson, um, who's double A with, uh, with the Rays. And, and so uh, we are current and former players who are making it easier to navigate the road of, of minor league baseball. So how are people that are listening, how can they help? You know, we want to do something where we can help your guys' efforts. People that are listening, uh, what do they need to do to help with this, uh, to donate money? Or how, how, can, how can people help what you guys are doing? Right, right, right. Well, their gift, their gift um, to more than baseball uh, right now will go into the uh, minor league baseball player grant program. Um, you know, and, and it's, a, it, it's run by uh, us and our baseball life. Uh, for this for this player family fund and and so the these gifts the money that we're bringing in the uh first of all the adam wainwright money uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars went to helping assist uh cardinals players in a player grant program sort of way so players signed into what we do uh they gave us a bit of information who they are where they're from their signing bonus um if they support any players if they have any debt and based on the information that we got we're able to um give them a priority of 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 need uh no priority low priority medium priority or high priority well about 25 percent of the players needed high priority and, and based on how many players need help is how we can quantify how much each player gets and that's math and i'll let simon do that because he went to harvard whatever i can't <laughs> i can't do that um so right now it's looking like um high priority guys are gonna get uh you know uh about you know fifteen hundred dollars for from Adam Wainwright's grant, and so uh, that's a really significant amount of money. If you haven't made money since last September, if you were expecting a certain amount of money, um, you know during the season, the season that's not happening. Plus, uh, Major League Baseball is giving players um, who are away from the complexes right now four hundred dollars a week until May thirty first, and so yeah, like it might be two thousand dollars over the next two months. Uh, which may seem like a lot of relief, but stretch it out over 12 months a year, stretch it out over the duration of, of their, their season, uh, it's still an insignificant amount of money. And so we're doing what we can uh, to, to bring the help needed for players uh, to the players. Yeah, and I know that people that are listening that maybe aren't huge baseball fans or know kind of the difference between major leagues and minor leagues, the reason why this is a big deal right now is because with all the sports that are being shut down, minor leaguers, their season was supposed to start this week and they're not able to play and they don't get paid unless they play. And the pay gap between the major leagues and the minor leagues is so such a disparity that 
it's it's hardly a, a livable wage whenever they are playing. I mean, they're, granted, they have a lot of stuff paid for, but um, there's a lot of situations, and, and people can do the research on this, how just d- different the minor league situation is compared to the major leagues. If you want any proof of that, check out the Instagram account called Minor League Grinders. You can see how these guys live. A lot of times they've got, you know, six or seven twin bed mattresses lined up in a living room. And that's how these pro athletes are, are sleeping and staying. And so what you guys are trying to do is make sure that these professional athletes can continue training, continue eating well, continue doing the things that they need to do to, to still be in top shape whenever baseball does come back because they don't have access to their facilities. And some of these guys, they can go back home, maybe throw with a friend who's a professional player, maybe go to a, a facility to work out at. But they're, for the most part, the minor leaguers were told, you got to go back to your hometown and kind of, you know, some of them just don't have any income right now. So that's why, you know, that, for me, I, I used to be a sports journalist and, you know, I played sports growing up. So that's why, like, I'm a huge baseball fan. And this means something to me because, you know, I ha- I, I'm in a big, huge uh, fantasy baseball league that it's a dynasty league and we track all these minor leaguers. So I, 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 I love following minor league careers. I love following these guys from single A up to triple A. I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky, where we have the low A affiliate of the, of the Tampa Bay Rays. And like, I just, I feel like this is for me. I mean, it's, it's important. Like I understand people think that professional athletes might get babied, but like a lot of these guys are, are making very, very little money as it is playing. And now that the season is not happening, this is what you guys can do, you know, to, to help them live basically. Yeah, so let's um, let's unpack let's unpack that a little bit because there are we are working with professional athletes, right? We're working yeah. in this environment where like this guy is is not <laughs> he can go get a job at Target or Walmart, but when he's the best, he's you know, one of the best 8,000 people in the world at what he does, he should have every opportunity he can to maximize his potential and not have it based on um, the financial burden that comes with playing. So, for example, like a lot of players are making less than fifty thousand dollars in a signing bonus. It's about uh, 30, 30 to forty percent of minor league baseball players sign for less than a hundred thousand dollars. But average career in minor league baseball is four and a half years. So if you even equate that to a yearly average of 25 or it would be 20, about $20,000 for that four and a half years, uh, that's still below the poverty line. So when you look at these players who are making less than $1,000 when they already come in, they're already at a disadvantage. And so what we're trying to do is to make sure that the, the playing field is level by filling in the holes that the teams don't provide. Teams don't provide equipment. Teams don't provide uh, housing for full season guys. Teams don't provide a lot of these different things that we're just trying to work with the team to solve these solutions and not create a bigger rift than there already is, right? Because we exist because of the lawsuit that's currently happening, you know, between a group of minor leaguers and Major League Baseball. We exist because the Save America's Pastime Act was a place, uh, was a, a bill that was shoved into uh, this omnibus spending bill uh, in the March of 2018 that says that every player, every minor league player um, uh, shall not make minimum wage or overtime uh, pay. Uh, major League Baseball spent $6 million on on pushing this through, on lobbying this through Congress. And so instead of, of working um, with these refs, uh, we've decided to take the holistic approach of how can we help a kid sleep better at night and get one more hit a week? How can I be of service to a major league team and therefore show that this minor league baseball player has value, 
Now, what does he have value in? He has value to his team because he can become a valuable asset. He can get better and make the 40-man roster. He can make the major leagues. He can be traded away for pieces, right? We always use the example of the 17 Houston Astros, which now is a really bad example, <laughs> right? Right. But what they did was they traded away prospects. Some of them were top prospects going in, but a couple were, were normal minor leaguers, maybe 10th to 14th rounders that made it up to 40-man roster major league level that they traded away to get Garrett Cole, Ozuna from Toronto, and Justin Verlander. Those three players helped them win a World Series in 17 and then almost in 19. Right. So when you look at the value that a minor leaguer has, he's a renewable resource. And how can we maximize that resource that the players, that the teams can, can, can use? On the other end, um, in these minor league towns like Bowling Green, or I played in Kingsport, uh, Tennessee, or Chattanooga, Tennessee, or you know Des Moines, Iowa, these players have a tremendous amount of value as a brands where they can maximize what they are uh, doing for companies, uh, what they can maximize what their, their earning potential is on social media. They're professional athletes and therefore they're incredibly valuable to a certain group of people who are either trying to make money of them or who can make money um, you know, collectively. And then we're showing what minor leaguers can do in the community. So there are about 6,000 minor leaguers. And once we get all of this working together, once we get all 6,000 players, then we can start to do community development events and show the value that these minor league baseball players have in these minor league towns and also across the country. And so right now, minor leaguers are just minor leaguers. And we're trying to make it a place where minor leaguers have a voice and have a, a certain amount of value within the system. So yes, professional athletes give them the stigma of shut up and dribble, but we're showing that they have value both monetarily uh, as, as these commodities, if you will, um, as these different, as these ball players, um, as thought leaders in their circles and, and their online communities, et cetera, uh, they're important, right? And we're making sure that they have what they need to be important and then make sure that when they're done playing, they're set up for a life outside of baseball. And we see a lot of guys who struggle with a life outside of professional baseball because this is all they have and we're making sure they can transition into something else. So there's value that we bring on every single level uh, for what we're doing. Yeah, that's great. I think you, that's a really good point to mention. You know, these aren't just baseball players. They're not just athletes. Like, like, like you, I mean, you mentioned all the different pieces of value that they bring to not just their organization, but their communities. And I think it's, it's, it's awesome what you guys are doing when people go, so they, they go to your website and there's a spot at the top navigation bar. It says give, can they sponsor a certain player or a team or um, how does it work? Do they just give to you guys and, and you guys kind of distribute the money in a certain way or, or what's, what's kind of the process? You know, for instance, some people that are listening to this, they might know somebody who's a minor league baseball player that they want to sponsor, or they may want to sponsor somebody who plays for a team. How, how can they go about that? I guess, what's the process for, for donating and doing all that? Yeah. So when it comes to this uh, MILB family fund, right, for this player grant program, um, teams can go to or the fans can go to our Twitter page or our Instagram page. There's a link to this fund. They can donate five, 10, 15. If you're very wealthy, $50,000. Thank you in advance. Uh, but they can also <laughs> go to um, our baseball life who we've partnered with on this and look through their stuff, buy a t-shirt, which will go to this fund. They can donate uh, to the same fund. We're working together on this. Um, they can go to our website. Uh, and on the top right-hand corner of morethanbaseball.org, there is a button that says give. And on that give, 
page they can give to more than baseball. They can give to a community of their choice. Um, before this grant program started, we were never built to give cash to players. We never wanted someone to give $1,000 to a player. That's not what we're built for. Uh, but because we do it in this player grant way, because this whole community will benefit when somebody uh, gives a gift like Adam Wainwright's or Daniel Murphy's or Big League Advances, $100,000. Um, but they can sponsor a player. And in accordance with, in partnership with Adopt a Minor Leaguer, um, if they go onto this give page, uh, they give a certain amount uh, that will go to uh, supplies and things that this player can use um, once he uh, you know, it can be batting gloves, it can be a bat, it can be grip tape, it can be cleats, it can be food, God forbid. So, um, you know, players, fans now have the autonomy to say that they helped a community or they helped a player. Uh, major leaguers can definitely give to this, but also if they wanted their money to go to clubhouse dues for a certain team, if they wanted their money, if a fan wanted to pay for clubhouse dues, they're more than welcome to do that as well. And so, uh, when you look at what a minor league player is making, right, between $3,000 and $10,000 a year on the level that they uh, play at, uh, on average, they make about $7,500 a year for like double A, whatever, like low, triple mm -hmm. A. Um, that's about $45 to $75 a game, okay, minus the equipment, minus the housing. That's why you see guys 6, 7, 8, 9, 12 to an apartment. Uh, minus the clubhouse dues, which are about $100 a month, minus your own expenses, either student loans, uh, car payment, et cetera, et cetera. If I'm, if I'm taking home $200 a month, um, am I going to play good? <laughs> uh, what if I'm taking home $600 a month, right? Because we've cut down on the expenses. What if I'm taking home $1,000 a month? And then over time, what if we're taking home $2,000? Uh, dollars a month, which is what our goal is, is to make sure guys don't take home $2,000 a month. We hope that guys make $24,000 a year. That's our goal, right? Yeah. And so we're making it easier for the teams to develop these athletes by making it more comfortable to play. By the baseball, happy employees, right, in this case, are going to perform better at their job. Happy yeah. players are going to play better. That's as simple as I can make it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's great. I love what you guys are doing. I, I hope we get baseball back <laughs> sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know when it's going to happen, but I, I do hope that at some point this summer we get baseball back. And obviously the, the health and wellness of all of our athletes and, and our fans and anybody in this country is first and foremost. But it just feels so weird to be here in the middle of spring and not being able to watch baseball every day. So I'm sure that you're feeling the same thing, but you guys are doing a great thing helping these guys out. And I'm hoping that, you know, this putting this on this podcast and using this platform to help that, you know, will, will help you guys in some way. Cause um, you know, I think any, whenever our country, we go through something like this, I think the more that we're willing to help each other out, the better off we're going to be. So I, I just, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing and I'm glad that I can be a sure. small part of it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for the time, man. This is uh, this is awesome. It's great. That was Jeremy Wolf, executive director of More Than Baseball. Happy to have him on the show to talk about the organization. I love what those guys are doing over there, and it was nice to hear from him and have him share a little bit about some of the success stories already and ways that they've already been able to make a difference. So check out their links to their social media and their website. I'll have all of that in the show notes. If you're able to give to their organization, please do so. Help them out a little bit because I know that they would definitely appreciate it. And I'm just glad that there is an advocate for minor league baseball players. I'm a huge proponent of minor league baseball. Like I said, 
in the interview. We've got a team here in Bowling Green, and I want nothing else to, than to see those teams succeed and those players succeed because ultimately when those guys succeed, it means that we've got better players at the major league level. And as a baseball fan, that's obviously what we want as well. So next up, though, we've got a guy who has played five years in the major leagues, and he's on a minor league contract currently with the Padres, hoping to make it back to the majors this year if and when we get the season back. But this is my good friend, Jared Eikhoff. Well, Jared, welcome to the show. I'm excited to catch up with you. It's been a while since you and I have talked. How's everything going for you? Yeah, it's been good. It's It's been good as, as far as uh, the current situations, uh, you know, has has to say. But, um, no, it's been great, you know, just getting back here, getting home. It's the first time I've been home in this neck of the woods uh, for about 10 years at this current time of the year. So, uh, it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm back home and the trees are green and green grass and stuff like that. And, uh, <laughs> I, I associate uh, this this area with like off season baseball, so it's kind of it's kind of strange, but I'm I'm getting through it. And that's true, yeah, because you're probably do you, you live in Evansville, I guess, during the off season still. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you're really only there in the winter and you know back with your baseball team during the baseball season. So this has to be weird for you, just not only being home, but also, I mean, how how hard is it for you to not be playing games right now yeah it's really hard you know the, the when spring training or the when when opening day kind of came about it's just you see stuff on tv and saying you know this what this what should have been you know the today is what should have been uh yeah. you know, opening day and all that stuff so it was really strange you know you're sitting on the couch and you're like used to um you know being in a clubhouse prepping you know you know being two three hours away from a game uh and hearing jets fly over your head and and <laughs> and I have a packed house, but it's no, it's, 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 it's different, but you know, what? it's just brings, brings a lot of things into perspective. I'd say for sure. Yeah. I've gotten to talk to a few athletes already. And like I was telling you uh, before we recorded, you know, I'm interested just in how this pandemic has impacted people's playing career. I mean, I'm a, a high school tennis coach. I mean, I was the coach at Wrights and th- this was supposed to be my last season coaching there because my wife and I moved to Bowling Green, Kentucky back in the fall. And I was going to be driving up to Evansville during the week in coaching. And this was my last season and that got canceled. And so like for you, yeah, at the time of this recording, my, our first match is supposed to be tomorrow. And it, it really hit me on, I think it was March 16th on what was supposed to be our first day of official practice. And I was like, this is really hard. I'm not with my team. And then whenever we got the news that the season was canceled, I really hurt for the seniors. Cause that was the whole reason why I was going back to coach. Cause I had, you know, a bunch of seniors that were freshmen when I first started coaching there. And it's just, it's so weird to, to look outside. And like you said, it's springtime and we're not competing. So what, what has been, I don't want to just focus on the negatives of this, but what has been the hardest thing for you in terms of uh, maybe just your, your routine and maybe even just like the, the, the idea that it should be baseball season and you're not playing baseball. What's been the hardest thing for you? Yeah, I would say, Man, I, I think this time is huge for just like developing a connection with your teammates and with with the guys that you're going to be spending the next, you know, six to six seven months with. And um, I think not being able to kind of continue that or develop that, especially for myself, who's uh, been been now with another team and trying to develop relationships and things like that. And I think that's that's one of the very simple but hardest things to to not be able to do. Um, you know, we're, when we get back, we're going to be hitting the ground running. It, it could potentially be a, just a two-week spring training, and then we're yeah. and then we're rolling. So, um, you know, with with sights on hopefully making the team and doing all that stuff. But yeah, that that's one of the very subtle things I would say is just building that relationship, and then obviously just being around 
that the baseball atmosphere and and you're, you're I, I say turned on you're you're just uh, you're engaged in what you're doing. It's easier, to, I guess, to focus when you're in that baseball setting. You're on a baseball field. You're playing catch with guys that you're going to be with, and uh, you're around the coaches and um, you know cracking jokes, stuff like that. I mean, it's it's that's I think the biggest thing. And um, you know, when things get going again, it's going to be a quick, quick kind of flip of the switch, <laughs> turn on. But um, you know, it's just really trying to focus on what you can control. And um, I'm doing everything I could possibly do to be ready and, and stay in shape. And that's that's really all you can do. And I'm, I'm really, uh, really at peace with that for sure. So, yeah, you mentioned kind of a different wrinkle for you. I mean, this is hard enough for any player, but you, you moved to a new team this offseason. You signed with the Padres after spending about five years with the Phillies. So you've got a new group of guys, and I'm sure maybe you know some of them just from being around baseball, but you're, you're with a new group of guys, a new group of coaches, and spring training was going on for about a month, month and a half until you guys got cut off. Were you, I mean, I assume you were still able to develop some friendships and relationships. You know, what has that been like? And you kind of touched on it a minute ago, but how hard has that been to now go from, you know, trying to build those relationships to now you've been away from baseball for almost a month and not with those guys? Are you able to stay in contact with them or, or what has that camaraderie aspect been like since this has all happened? Yeah, so it was really well. The, the Padres have a really good system. They have and they really got together a good group of guys and they have a core guys. Obviously you got Machado and Hosmer and those big time guys in there. And, um, you know, sprinkled in with that is a lot of just quality individuals and just good people. And that's, that's what, that's what I, uh, find the most, the most joy in, you know, if you can have a good group of guys, um, in that clubhouse, like I said earlier, you're going to be with them six, seven months out of the year. If you can have a good group, you're going to do special things, whether the talent is, is, matched you know throughout the league or maybe uh you know for some outside looking in maybe below average on paper but i think you're going to make up the difference big time just with that tightness in the clubhouse and just pulling for each other just being like i said a good dude uh, you know through and through and uh pulling for each other so that that's big and, and being being home being away from that we have a uh, there is a group chat we have going and so there's kind of you know there's constant messages you know fire back and forth with guys and a lot of it actually is the what we're going to do what we're going forward with what what MLB saying what's uh what the players are feeling so we're kind of uh it's a little bit of both a little bit of everything so I think it's it's exactly what the clubhouse would be minus uh yeah. minus the you actually being there so it, it's been it's been positive as, as far as as far as now is concerned who are some of the guys that you've uh kind of become good friends with in the Padres organization so far uh I would say, I would say Pierce Johnson, uh, he signed, he was with, uh, he's, he pitched in Japan last year and had a really good year. And they, he came, he was with the, in the States originally, uh, had a little big league time, but went over there and then, uh, came back, signed a, signed a deal with them. So I, I've been, I've been really getting close to him and, uh, Chris Paddock, great, great guy, um, man of faith too. He, he's, he's a good, really great player and he's a good person. And, um, I'd say those two uh, off the bat, Chris, Craig Stammen, uh, mm-hmm. also a great guy, great man of faith. He's got me into the, some Bible study and stuff like that down there and uh, got a group of guys actually in there. So, um, yeah, I'd say those three guys would, would have to be it for sure. How, how good is Mackenzie Gore? And some people that are listening may not know who Mackenzie Gore is, but I'm a huge baseball guy. 
Uh, I play in a, in a really deep uh, fantasy baseball league where we have to track minor league players. McKenzie yeah. Gore has been one of those guys that we've been tracking for years and is one of the top prospects in baseball. I mean, have you gotten a chance to talk to him much and, and how, how truly good is he? Yeah, I've actually spent spent quite a bit of time with him, really. Um, we're in the same we're in the same working group, so I was always uh, and I think I was put in that group for a reason. Um, you know, there was a lot of younger guys in there, and I think they know, uh, you know, the, the track record I have. Maybe I've been around a little bit, and I think uh, so. I have got to spend a lot of time with him or around him, and he's very mature. I think of where I was at 20 years old, and I I had just gotten drafted, and. <laughs> Just gotten drafted and was nowhere near the pitcher in not just the thrower, but pitching, you know, mixing pitches, command, all that thing. Nowhere near uh, where he's at. Um, He's got a really interesting delivery, uh, but he does a really good job of repeating it and executing. He knows what he's doing wrong. Uh, If he makes a mistake or misses a pitch, he knows what he needs to do to get back, you know, in the strike zone or in the spot he wants to go. So that's what I think is really impressive. So mentally, I think he's good. He just has a really under, good understanding of who he is and, and uh, how his body works, for sure. You mentioned that you, you know, you're you tracking what MLB is saying and, and doing, and you know they came out this week pitching this idea of getting all the teams together in the Phoenix area and kind of playing in like a, a bubble type of scenario where the guys can't really leave or have anybody come in there and playing baseball. It, it, as a fan, it doesn't really seem feasible because there's other wrinkles like uh, Jeff Passan was on ESPN talking about like in August, Mike Trout's wife is due to have a baby. Like what if he wants to go and be with her and they're still in this situation? He comes back. They've got to self-quarantine for 14 days. What, is, what was your uh, reaction when you heard this proposal? I mean, I think it's great that they're thinking about ways to play baseball, but from the human standpoint of that, it doesn't really seem feasible for people to do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, just like I said in the group chat, there, there's been back and forth with it. I think I think the biggest thing is, is safety. It's really just the safety. It's not, uh, you know – the, the salaries talk and, and, and what we're going to get paid or if they're going to get paid, if they're going to be fans or if there's not all that stuff, it, it really comes down to just the safety of like literally everyone, including ourselves. And if, as long as, as long as we're all safe and the time period is safe, I think all the players are in on it, whether they're, you know, I got the buddies that I have with, with Philadelphia, they're in Florida. That's going to be weird for them to come over here. But uh, I think, I think a lot of players are in on it just as long as, like I said, everything is safe and, and it's done the right way and everything like that. So I, um, the players want to play. They, they want to play. They want to make sure everything is, is as safe for not only themselves, their family. You know, if we get it, you know, get the virus somehow and pass it to our family, you know, that's not a good, that's not a good thing either. So as long as we're safe, I think, like I said, the players want to play, we, we're willing. So that's obviously a plan for the major league teams, but is there, if there is, I haven't seen it yet, but is there a plan in place for when the minor league organizations might be able to start playing? Because they're spread out all over the country. Like I live in Bowling Green. We've got a single A team here for the Rays. I mean, there's so many minor league towns, more more so than the 30 MLB towns. So Mm -hmm. what has been the plan to get the minor leagues back up and playing as well? You know, that's a great question. And I've, I've had a lot of conversation the past couple of days uh, about it. And I, I just, you know, I don't know. I, I know the major league, you know, the big league clubs, they, they're going to have the financial ability or the, 
you know, to, to test all these major league guys, the guys on the 40 man, they're getting work in or coming to this fields every day. I know they, I think the, they're talking that there's a type of test that can be hopefully by May or I guess in the works now or by May that will be able to tell you within minutes that you are, you are an actual active carrier or have it. Um, how expensive is that? I don't know. And are they going to be willing to test, you know, not only us, but every minor league guy that's coming into this facility to work out. So it's, I haven't heard anything yet. Um, I think the biggest talk is if, if we're going to play in general at the, at the, at the highest level. And once we figure that out, it'll trickle down, I guess. But mm -hmm. like I said, I, I haven't heard anything yet. And they're, they're, everybody's just worried about the major league season now and the, the, the minor league season will follow um, in some way, shape or form, whether it's like a short season type feel, whether it's 60, 70 games and, and that's it or something like that, which is, which realistically seems the most feasible. Yeah. So this is obviously just, it's unprecedented in so many ways and, and you're kind of learning on the fly on how to adjust. And you and I have talked through text messages the last week or so about what you've been doing, but I guess, you know, what, what are you doing to stay sharp and to, to, you know, make sure that you're not just sitting around. I mean, you, I know that you've got plan from the Padres and how to handle this, but I guess what's been your, what, what's, what's kind of the rhythm that you found? Yeah. So it's really trying to stay as, is as, as locked in as you can, you know, it's, I told you, like I said earlier, I'm being home and it's, it's, I'm used, I'm, I connect that with the off season. So it's not off season. Um, it's not off season, but yet I'm, I still need to get some work in. I still need to be ready to go at, at the flip of a switch and which I think they'll give us enough time uh, to get obviously flip that switch and get out there to Arizona and, and get going. But um, yeah, it, it's the throwing, it's the, it's the focusing on just the things that I've been working on and just being, really, really strong mentally and just not, not relying on coaches and understanding, you know, what I've done, what, I, you know, how I've done it and, you know, how this, how I've gotten success uh, in the past and just really trying to continue that, you know, I had a really good camp uh, until the, until the, the stoppage there. And I'm really just trying to keep that going forward and, and playing catch and getting workouts in any way I can. And um, yeah, I think I'll be in a good spot and, <clears throat> you know, going forward, this times like this, I think people that are mentally strong and are mentally willing to do the work, although conventional at times, are, it, it's going to pay off. And I think, uh, like I said, I think that's going to really help me in the long run going forward. So you spent the better part of your career with Philadelphia, mostly as a starter. Um, I know you suffered a couple in, injury or, or two when you were with them. And Going to going to San Diego, where they've got pretty good pitching depth. I mean, what what walk me through that decision? Where you know they've got quite a bit of young starters. They've got some other established starters. Um, I, I would assume that you want to get back to being a starter. That's what you're used mm -hmm. to. Um, but what was you know what led you to, to signing with with the Padres? And you know what is ultimately your your hope with that roster? Because obviously you got a minor league contract, and your you know spring training is a huge chance for guys like you to say, hey, I've got tons of stuff left in the tank. Here's what I can do try to make the roster and then this happens and it's kind of like incredibly unfortunate when you, when you're with a new team where you don't have that track record to build as much. But uh, what was that process like, you know, deciding to, cause this was, I think, correct me if I'm wrong. I think this was your first off season as a free uh, going through a free agency. So, yeah. you know, what was that process like for people that don't know what it's like to be an athlete going through free agency and how did you ultimately end up signing with San Diego? Yeah. So, I was non-tendered, um, which I was aware that there was a chance I would be non-tendered, you know, towards the end of the year with Philly. So 
and they they handled things really professionally and just I have I have a lot of respect for how they treated me and um, just the things they had done for me, especially with all the things I was going through. You know, a lot of teams would just as soon as I was maybe healthy or ready to get going again, they just you know get me out of there, or move on, and just kind of push me to the side. So they they gave me all the chances in the world and, and all the time in the world. You know, I think uh, I wish they'd hung on a little more because I feel great now. <laughs> um, and I got a lot of friends over there, but uh, there's no telling that, uh, you know, who's to say that I can't find my way back over there with that group of guys and, and that whole that whole team because I, I have a lot of good memories and uh, at that stadium with that group of guys. But um, so left there uh, going into the offseason and, it's kind of a free for all. And, you know, you just kind of wait, you know, your agent's working and he's, he's, uh, you know, making phone calls. And I think it's after, after that official non-tender date is when teams can actually, you know, officially call my agent with regards to myself and this and that. And, uh, it was a little, it, initially it was really, you know, hot and heavy. And then, you know, medical stuff starts going out. Some teams are kind of skeptical on based on, you know, injuries you've had in the past, which is what we kind of discussed. And, it's 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 just funny how teams work. There some teams are just uh, really hesitant on certain things as far as medical medical side, and some aren't. Some are um, just not into it altogether. Some teams wait till January to even mm-hmm. start to look at people because that's just kind of how their process is. Um, so it was it was interesting. You know, I, the Padres for me, there was a couple teams that reached out, or a handful of teams that reached out, and the Padres just seemed very. Uh, very direct, very uh, interested right out the right off the bat. And I actually know I know Adrian Preller with the Rangers. He was a former assistant GM with the Rangers, who's the current GM of the Padres now. Mm-hmm. So I have he's got a really good track record with myself, and I know him uh, fairly well. And I know a handful of coaches. The first year manager with the Padres this year is is Jace Tingler, which he was the field coordinator with the Rangers while I was there. So there's a handful. There's some scouts I know other coaches and uh so there was a there was familiarity there which kind of pulled me as well so you had those two things and then just the work they did as far as basically trying to recruit me in a way as, as far as you know we you do this really well when you were really good we think you can do this we think you can get back to this yeah uh here's what we think we can do uh and, and i bought into that um and the I think the other side point is, uh, I know Preston Mattingly as well, uh, obviously being from Evansville, and he's with the Padres now as, okay, as yeah, an assistant, right. uh, assistant there with for AJ, or he's with the scouting department. I'm actually not 100% sure on that. Yeah. I, probably should I think he is with the scouting but, um, department, yeah. Scouting, yeah, scouting department, and uh, he had joked with me, he's joked with me the past couple years, he's a week. You know, we're gonna get you. When are you gonna come out to San Diego? I said, Well, I'm with Philly. You know, at the time, and I, I have no decision. I have, I have no, I have no, uh, I have no choice in the matter. You know what I mean? So, um, so that's kind of that was kind of funny. He joked with me for like I said for years, and I said I I loved I love San Diego. I love pitching there. I pitch well there. Uh, I love the park, the area, city. Everything is fantastic, and uh, just kind of it just really felt right. Honestly, when when you put those three four things together and. That was a pretty easy decision, and like I said, I felt wanted, and and here we are. Yeah, that's great. I didn't realize that there was so much connection with the Rangers there, and you know now we can kind of kind of go back to the year that you were drafted, and that's you know obviously you and I are both from Evansville, and I knew who you were because you played baseball, and uh, a lot of my friends played against you, and obviously you were you know one of the better players in town, so I knew who you were. 
um, even though we went to different high schools. But, uh, you know, I realized I was like, oh, this he's he's signed to go to Western Kentucky, which obviously at the time I was there and I was working for the newspaper and I was like, oh, I got to get a, You know, I got to talk to him and see what his thoughts are. And so you yeah. had the choice of continuing to go to Western. You had, you had signed out of JUCO to go play at Western, which was at the time had a pretty good uh, baseball pedigree. Uh, they, yeah. they were coming off with quite a bit of success. There was another guy that signed that year with you named Matthew Spaulding that ended yep. up getting drafted by the Red Sox. So there was a lot of excitement about the baseball class coming in. And I think that they hired a new coach that summer as well. And, yes. and uh, wish he had been an assistant, but Walk me through that decision, William, because you were, I think one thing that stood out to me that summer was you told me ultimately whenever I asked you, like, what did you, what led you to sign? You said, well, whenever Nolan Ryan is there watching you throw and telling you to sign, it's kind of hard to say no to that. So yeah. Um, yeah. you got drafted, I think it was the 12th round, um, right uh, think, around the 15th round. Yeah. Yeah. So that's any baseball player. I mean, that's a, that's a dream come true. And how did you know that you were ready to take that leap versus uh, going to, to Western for a year or two? Yeah, I honestly didn't. That was, that was the hardest. Um, that was the, at that point, the hardest decision I'd ever had to make. And, um, and it, it, it was interesting. It had so many different elements, you know, I, I was, I was really into going to Western Kentucky. I was, I was really uh, looking forward to it. And then you get the chance to be drafted, which is just crazy. Um, I knew there was a chance, but you just, you never know till you know. And uh, I thought I was going to be drafted higher originally, just talking with, with Dallas and stuff. Hey, you know, what are you thinking here and there? I'm like, okay, you know, I was thinking like fourth, fifth, sixth round. And it's like, even now, now it's just like, wow, it's crazy. But, uh, <laughs> and then you kind of fall back. I, I you fall, you fell back to the 15th, which is, which is crazy too in itself. But um, yeah, drafted and, and I, I, it was a tough decision. You know, I was, I was back and forth. I had, you know, I was talking back and forth for negotiating because I didn't have an agent. Me and my family was negotiating, uh, you know, maybe to get a little more uh, and things like that because of how young I was and the uncertainty of, you know, players who just make it in general. You want to have a, as much a safety net as you can right. if you don't make it. And as far as colleges and how, uh, you know, Major League Baseball setting aside money for college, we had to negotiate that, just talk about, you know, inflation and how much it would be in the future if it's hopefully 10 years down the road, you know. Just so many different things. And then you got Western over here, which I was really excited to go. And, and school is uh, for me and my family and um, all of that. And, you know, you're getting pulled in so many different directions. You got, And then, you know, Western calls and they said, hey, we just really want you. Whatever whatever we can do to help make your decision easier. You, know, you, you got it. You have, our, um, you have our full support. And so I remember coming home one day and I was like working out or something. And, um, and I, I just, I really, I was, I didn't know I was really on the fence and I just, I remember before I went to sleep that night, I, I was just, I was praying about it. Honestly, I was praying about it and I've only told a handful of people this, but I had a dream. I had a dream that I got a text message from my, at the time I couldn't see who it was, who it was from. But I flipped it open at the time I had a flip phone. Uh, <laughs> flipped, flipped it open, flipped open the phone, and it said sign. And it just like I get chills thinking about it now because it, it just was like so clear. I woke up, I woke up, and I just was like, "This is easy. This 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 was, this decision became easy." You and, got a sign that told you to sign. How about that? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's just the weirdest thing. And then um, and then so I call I, I 
call, I, I told parents, and then I woke up and I told them, and I, I questioned, you know, I got to tell them, hey, you know, I'm, I'm just, I got a sign, this just feels right. I called, and sure enough, so Finwood actually left and was taking a, taking a job with Old Dominion, which I had found out that day, too, when I made that call. So that was just almost a, that's exactly, it was reassuring, I think. It just made my, uh, you know, made my decision feel even better. Uh, even yeah. though I was already already set, so it was just just crazy, and like I said, best best decision I think I ever could have made. That's awesome. Yeah, that that's that's a lot of things for a, a 20, 21 year old kid to to consider. You know, that's like you said, you're thinking about ten years down the road. I, I guarantee you, when I was that age, there's no way I was thinking about anything more than just finishing out that school year. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, that's a lot for somebody to consider, you know, anytime that you get presented an offer like that, I can only imagine, you know, you're obviously excited, but there's a lot of real stress that goes into it because you don't want to make the wrong decision. And yeah. it sounds like you've, you've got a lot of clarity and, and you're pretty solid with that decision, which I think is great because you've ended up having a pretty good career. So you go, you sign with the Rangers and you, you progress through the system and it seemed like you were about ready to be called up by them. And then they trade you for Cole Hamels, one of the best pitchers in, in baseball at the time. And, yeah. you know, pretty, pretty big blockbuster trade. I, I don't I honestly don't even remember who else was a part of that deal, but there were quite a few pieces that went from Texas to Philadelphia for him. And you were one of those. And, you know, we were talking before we recorded, you know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I always love the trade deadline day because it's exciting. But there's also a human element that I think we as fans forget, and especially guys. I mean, I've seen videos of guys that are pretty distraught when they get traded. They're pretty upset. Some of them are pretty excited because they get to maybe go from a better, a, a not as good situation to a better situation. But this is the team that drafted you. I, you know, I assume that you wanted to be able to make your debut with them and have a career with them. But you end up getting traded and going to Philadelphia. What, what's that for people that don't really, you know, that don't that have never been through that? What is that process like to find out? Hey, you've been traded. You've got to pick your stuff up and move. Like even just like I'm always curious about the logistics yeah. of it. Like like how much time yeah. do you even have to gather your stuff and get situated before you like have to get on a flight to go to your next location? Yeah. Um, so it was actually I was actually pitching that day, um, and I I was through five innings. It was probably the most efficient I had been that year in the start. You know, thus far, and it was I was probably. 55, 60 pitches through five innings. I, I was feeling great. Like I was cruising. And uh, manager comes over, hey, like I think that's that's going to be it. And I was just like, I remember thinking like, dude, what? Like, no. I'm like, that's not it. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, 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 I might finish this thing without, like, just, I'm just confident. I'm feeling good, you know. And he just said, no, there's some, there's some things going on. And I remember talking a couple of days prior to that. With, with one of my coaches and you just never think you're going to be traded. You're just like, you know, there's this, not me, other other guys, there's big time prospect guys get, get traded. I'm, I'm not, you know, um, I'm not one of those guys. I'm not this first round pick type of guy, you know, whatever. And, and uh, I just remember him saying, Brad Holman, he said, you know, it could happen. You never know. And uh, so then, you know, I'm starting, I had my manager tell me, you know, some things going on, you're going to be done. And uh, I just remember thinking, dang, that's, that's weird. So then I, I finish the inning, I go inside, and the TV's on in the clubhouse to do my, my arm care and ice and, and get on the bike and all that. And I, on the on the TV, it was Maple Bee Network, and it said on the bottom, you know, in Philadelphia and Texas Rangers, I've been talking. So I'm like, it's got to be some, something that's going on. And 
uh, you know, found out officially during the game, I think in like the seventh inning, coach comes over, comes over to me and another buddy of mine, Alec Asher was on the team said, Hey, you guys are both, uh, you guys are both traded to Philly. So that was just like, Whoa. And, uh, just processing. And, you know, I got, went into the, to the manager's office after the game, uh, you know, really positive, really supportive. And just said, Hey, you know, this is uh this is a really good thing for you. Like, it's not that the Rangers don't want you. This is, this is a really good opportunity. That means you're really sought after by this team that's, that's now claiming you. Um, so that was encouraging. And to go, to go to another team, not only by yourself, but with like a group of guys that was, you know, one of my close friends was really, really important and really cool. Um, yeah. You know, to be able to go with, experience things with, and do all that. But you know, I think it was. I mean, we were up and up and gone. I think in two days. So I found out that night. That next day, I spent. You know, I spent at home, kind of gathering my stuff, which we didn't have too much stuff. You know, my wife, fiance at the time now, or fiance then at the time, kind of got my stuff together, and I had my car there. She actually, she actually drove it up to. Uh, Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, from Round Rock, Texas, oh my gosh. Uh, for me. So that was uh, really nice of her to do. She's done tons of that this through this whole lifestyle. So I, I can't thank her enough for that. But um, yeah, I mean, it, so that found out that night. That day, I spent time getting stuff together, and I don't even think we we went to the field to get our baseball stuff. I don't even think we were allowed to play catch because we are officially property of Philadelphia. So they, if we got hurt or something, something uh, that would not be good. So they didn't even let us like play catch or do anything on the field. So yeah, we we me and Alec, uh, Alec, and there was I guess three or four others, three others that were drafted to it in Double A. But uh, yeah, we watched the game from we watched part of the game from left field uh, as a fan right outside the clubhouse and for a little bit, and and then left, went home and. Got ready to fly out early the next morning, so it was kind of it was just crazy. So it all happened within you know 36 hours or so. That's that's crazy, and and this is where my mind goes when I think about this stuff too. It's like you know I think about how like I've got a house here and we've got like an internet bill, we've got an energy bill, we've got all these other bills tied to our name here. And if I just up and moved, like I'd have to cancel all of that and get rid of all that. So like, how, how does like, this is such a weird question, but like, I'm just curious, like you, you end up having to move to a new town and you've got all these different things that are set up in your name, maybe in the town where you're living, like, yeah. do, does the team help you like take care of that? Or is it just kind of on you? Like, Oh, I got to cancel my energy bill or I got to cancel my TV bill. Like I, that's so weird to ask, but it's like, I'm just curious, like how players navigate this. Now, obviously at the major league level, there's probably a lot more people helping you, but when you're yeah. at the minor league level, you're kind of like, you're just, it's like you're, you're playing baseball. That's your job. And it's like, you st- they're, the energy company's like, well, we still want to, you know, expect your money. Well, so right. like, like all that, all that like minutia that goes into it. I mean, how do you, how do you handle that? Do you have any help with that at all? Or is it just kind of on you? Uh, yeah. So the wife that I mentioned earlier, she helped, uh, at the time, uh, pack the car do all that stuff. So in, in drive all that. So we actually, and I was living in a house, we had a house. Uh, with two other guys, so we that we were just renting from a family that was actually away for like all all the summer, and they know they have a connection with the with the team there in Round Rock, so they were like super open. The baseball players love the guys, and luckily they had an extra room, and I slid in there, so I was just paying rent basically to them or to to whoever owned the house. But so it was easy for me, uh, and a lot of guys live, you know, two or three guys to an apartment. It's just kind of what you do in the minor leagues, yeah. you know. It's just yeah. uh, kind of kind of the thing. 
so that kind of makes it easier. One guy leaves, another guy typically would come and uh, either slide into that uh, same spot where that guy was, or uh, those two guys, you know, leave it to themselves, pick up the thing, you know, basically their their rent slightly increases and their payments slightly increase here and there with with one guy leaving. Um, but that's kind of that part of it. And then any kind of travel, any kind of uh, payment, say I did have a place by myself and I had to leave the team. So Philadelphia, they would cover any expense, uh, getting good. a vehicle. If I, if I ship my vehicle full of, full of stuff up to Lehigh, they would pay for it, the apartment for that month, that next month or whatever, anything that I owe going forward, they would, they would take care of it. So you're, you're taking care of it's just the hassle of moving uh, it really just moving your stuff and just the logistic of being in a completely different part of the country. If I had stayed in sports journalism longer and I would have been able to do this, this is always a story that I wanted to read and that I would have been able to tell. Hopefully I, I would, I wish somebody would do like, and then like the anatomy of a trade, like just be with the team during trade deadline and allow fans to see like what the back end of it is. Cause like, yeah. I know how it works in my fantasy league. I text a guy and I'm like, <laughs> Hey, I want to trade so-and-so for so-and-so. We talk it out. We end up doing it. But like, I'm so curious about the inner workings of a trade in a major league setting and how like, like does a GM just call a guy and be like, Hey, we really like Jared Eikhoff. We can offer you X, Y, and Z for, you know, it's like, I just, I'm curious how that all works and all the inner workings of it. So I always thought if I would have stayed in sports journalism and been able to cover a baseball team, that would have been one of my, my stories that I would have pursued. So I, I, I'm interested just like, I'm glad I get to talk to you kind of a little bit from the player's perspective about it. Um, so you end up going to Philadelphia's organization and then you, know, you make your major league debut with Philadelphia. Uh, just what's that moment like to get, you know, to get the call and step on the major league field, put on a major league uniform for the first time. And then obviously, you know, what was the moment like whenever you got on the mound in a major league game for the first time? Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was pretty surreal. You know, I got to Miami, um, a little bit earlier. I was actually the day before. I don't even think I was supposed to be in the dugout, but I was in there and I was full uni. And I, <laughs> I think, uh, as far as the rules go, I, I wasn't officially added with the roster. Yet, so I wasn't supposed to be there, but, uh, said, don't worry, you're fine. So <laughs> I was in there watching the game. So I got to, I was glad I got to get my feet wet watching a game. Uh, but then just walking out, uh, walking out the tunnel there in Miami and just being able to, you know, soak it in. You know, one of the things that somebody told me years past that helped them is just whenever you're going out there and prepping and, and you know, getting loose and warming up out in the outfield is just. If, if you can feel the baseball, if that, as simple as that sounds, if you can feel the baseball and just feel the seams and understand that it's still the game and you're 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 not getting too ahead of yourself and your journalist's not taking over and all that, then you're going to be in a pretty good spot. Um, when I was in double, made my first double A start, I I couldn't feel anything. I was so nervous and <laughs> I, the catcher was throwing out a sign and I was like, sure, let's throw it. You know, I, I was there was no thought. Um, no feeling of anything. My legs were legit shaking. Uh, and this is on a double-A mound. So it's funny how, you know, it comes full circle. That's what the minor leagues is for. You you learn how to, you're, you're basically practicing. You're, you're practicing and hoping that you're progressing and trying to progress and get better so that you have already experienced a lot of those things or scenarios whenever you make it to the big league so you can just make adjustments on the fly yeah. and go. So that was one of them. And I, I was in the outfield. I was feeling the baseball. I'm like, okay, we're in a good spot. You know, I can – the same game and this and that but obviously there were some nerves there but I was uh 
after that first first couple hitters, you know, first inning, second inning got in there, it's it's just back to business as usual and the in-game adjustments happen and things go. But, um, yeah, it, it's still crazy to think about. You know, you sit down when I was – I sat down when I was done, manager pulled me out, and you just feel, you know, I went six innings, didn't give up a run, thanks thanks to some just miracles of defensive <laughs> play. Um, but I just I just remember getting done. He told me I was done. I remember sitting down. I just felt like the whole weight of the world was, like, off my shoulders. Um, you know, because the whole thing, the whole – uh, experience of making the big leagues is does my stuff play is, is is my stuff play here at this level versus just in triple a and double a and all that stuff and to go like six innings that was just like <laughs> just to be done and have success the very first game was just insane never thought i'd be here but here i am uh just just crazy um just crazy i think i, I probably teared up in the dugout just like processing it all it was pretty pretty surreal. oh yeah yeah i would i i can only imagine yeah i remember that year i uh i i so whenever you got the call to, to come up to the big leagues i immediately went and picked you up in my fantasy league because i was like first of all he's from <laughs> evansville i'm gonna yeah. take a risk and then you you, know, you throw this gym on your first day and i'm like all right, now I look like a genius. So that year I had you and I had Kyle Freeland because I, I picked up Kyle Freeland yeah. because he was played at U of E. And, you know, until he kind of went through some struggles, like I was, mm-hmm. I was, I was like rolling with, I'm like, I'm going to pick up all the Evansville guys. Yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, I can pick up here. yeah, if, if, I was like, I'm waiting for Aaron Barrett to become a closer, add him to yeah. my team too. So, uh, no, they, that, that was so fun to, to watch. And then obviously, you know, you, you progress and you, and you run into a couple of injuries. I mean, how, how hard was that just for you mentally, personally, uh, even, you know, emotionally to, to get through that? Because a lot of times, you know, in, in baseball, as you know, whenever you get an injury, uh, sometimes you don't know when or if you're going to get back to to where you were. I mean, look at like Aaron Barrett. It's got one of the most incredible yes. comeback stories in the history of baseball, in my opinion. And some guys yeah. like they just don't bounce back from an injury as well. So, you know, whenever you yep. suffered you know, some injuries, what's what's gone through your mind and how have you been able to stay positive and, you know, focus on the recovery and get back to where you want to be? Yeah, I'm. I feel like for, for me, I'm, I'm really stubborn. I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic. I feel like I'm very optimistic in maybe some of the worst of times or the, the toughest of times. And I, maybe it's more of the stubbornness than the optimism, but I'm just, uh, or it's blind optimism. I don't know. But, um, I just, um, man, it's just, just being, being focused on the work that you can do or the work that I could do to get back that day you know I wasn't trying to get right in, in one day I know that that's not realistic or that's it's going to take time so it's just really just focusing on what I can do to push myself in the right direction to get better today you know everything whether it's workouts or the uh the treatment all that kind of stuff what can I help myself you know how can I help myself today in this you know this 12-hour period while I'm at the field or whatever to to get back so it really was just as as minuscule as that obviously there's a lot there was a lot of prayer in there and just really focusing on uh, you know I am doing everything earthly possible on this earth to get back but if it's really not up to me and it's I hope and I, I pray that I, I want to keep keep playing um, but you know I, I had played three years and you know I never thought I'd be able to do that so I came to a point I really did come to a point where I, I was just like, you know what? I was like, God, if, if, if I don't play again, if I, if I don't play again, and that was like really hard, but it's like, if I don't play again, you know, 
I'm going to be okay with that. Yeah, it may take me some time to transition from that uh, if that is the thing, which which my wife Morgan would probably uh, say otherwise. You'd probably <laughs> take you some time. I don't know what you would do or be like. But I said, if, you know, I, I really was like, you know, if, if this is it, you know, that's okay. And that was really like, it was pretty freeing for me. And then they, to be able to, um, you know, get through that and go through that, although it was tough and you, they, they couldn't figure out what it was. It was so strange and rare. Um, there's been symptoms that, that other guys felt that it was like, uh, it was some nerve stuff that, but it wasn't the same. So it was just a back and forth. You thought you found it and then you didn't started throwing again. Then you'd feel some same, same symptoms again. So you'd stop. So it was just really, that was probably the most frustrating part is it's just the unknown. And it's just constantly trying to go back to, it's not up to me. It, it just takes time and it's just going to, it's just going to have to be a waiting game. And I can do, like I said, everything that I can do to get back. Um, yeah. That's really, really what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, when you're a professional athlete and, and you're able, your ability to do your job is reliant on the, the physical shape of your body and then you suffer an injury and you can't do your job. I mean, that's, it's taxing already just that, you know, going through that, but then not, not knowing, like you said, what you'll win or, or, or if you'll get back to, you know, how you, how you were before, how much just, you kind of touched on it, but I mean, how much did your, your faith help you get through that and give you, I don't want to say some perspective, but I mean, how much did you rely on your faith in God during that period? And, uh, you know, just, just, to, how much did that help you stay mentally, uh, mentally sharp and mentally positive, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was very hard. It's, it's a daily, it was a daily thing. You know, there was a, I would get everything in, I would go run, uh, at the field and then, I would, I would literally go in the dugout and I would sit in the dugout and I would read some passages and things like that and just really try to like be present and just try to be as, uh, as calm and as, you know, undistracted as I possibly could, you know, and just focus on what I was doing and just being appreciative of where I, where I'm at currently and where I've been, uh, when, what I've been able to do. And that was like every day and that was an everyday process. And, uh, you know, when I first, first had to sit out you know I was I wouldn't say I was in a dark place but you know Morgan was just you know she you know she was around me every day the team was on the road the team was on the road and I told me to just you know stay stay at home sitting I was like in Philadelphia in my apartment for like two weeks or 12 days and just trying to you know process and I was just kind of upset I was kind of ir I was pretty irritable you know um and then she, I think she said, you know, you're, you're not really a whole lot of fun to be around right now. And, <laughs> but she, but she understood that I, I had some time and this was kind of, it was kind of at the point where, okay, I need to start, stop feeling sorry for myself and, and understand the situation. It's going to be better. It's just going to, it's going to be time. And like, I think she said that, and that kind of like changed me a little bit and that kind of kickstarted me, you know, in the right direction and, um, you know, just in the path of, okay, we're going to, we're going to get through this. It's just going to take time. It's going to take a lot of, uh, you know, faith through it too. And some, and some, and some struggle, but we're going to be good on the, on the other side. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, you know, whatever I've gone through times of disappointment too, it's, it's easy to get angry and it's easy to, which there's, you know, I, I used to, I, I've done a lot of soul searching on this topic because I used to feel guilty whenever I would get angry at God and get angry and like, 
wonder why. And I think it's, it's, first of all, it's human. Like even mm-hmm. Jesus asked God, like, why, why, why is this happening to me? Yeah. So it's, it's natural. And I think, you know, for me, whenever I've gone through those periods, it's led me to a stronger faith. It's led me to understanding God more. And like the, the fact, the thing that I've learned is that like, there's just, there's going to be suffering in life, whether that's, you know, an injury playing a professional sport or a di- disappointment in, in another way in a job, you know, um, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. And I, I don't know, I think it's that, like you said, it's, it's, it's a it's a refreshing thing to understand like it is okay to to get angry to be, you know sometimes to be irritable yeah. but then you but you've come around to saying like look I'm if I don't play again then then I'm I'm happy with it I mean like you you kind of touched on it a minute ago but but how hard was it to arrive at that idea where you know I, like for for a lot of people you know I've t- talked to several athletes and they've talked about how you know, maybe previously their identity was wrapped up in their sport. And now, mm-hmm. now that they can't play their sport, they're realizing like, you know, my identity has got to be in Christ and not in my sport. I mean, did you go through anything similar to where you kind of realized that? And as, as you've gotten older, I mean, I'm guessing that, you know, Jared Eikhoff now is a lot different than the Jared Eikhoff of 2011, whenever you got drafted. So yeah. I guess thinking back to your maturation process and your, you know, your growth and your faith in God, I mean, how much has that helped get you through these tough times in your career? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been, it's been everything, you know, you're alone. And I think a lot, one of my coaches with the Rangers, my pitching coordinator, he said, we were in short season. It was like a, he had came in, we were having like a tough stretch. The pitching staff was, and he came in to kind of like scare everybody, I think. Uh, But he, I remember him saying, you know, you guys got to get used to being alone. You guys are alone a lot. And Mm. it, it didn't really click for me then. I'm like, well, I mean, I guess, is he, what is he saying? Is he saying alone, like physically alone or just alone on the mound? You know, you're by yourself, which I guess it's true in both senses, but um, it just kind of, it kind of made sense. It makes sense going forward. You're alone a lot. I mean, you're alone on the road. You're, you know, guys are doing so many different things. You're traveling so much. Sometimes you just, everybody just kind of goes their separate ways and you guys are in your hotel room by yourself and you just got your own thoughts really to, uh, you already talked to, you know, your family and this and that, and it's kind of just you and you and your own thoughts on the TV and just hanging out and just processing so many different things. But I don't know what, I don't know what made me specifically come to that, um, that point, but I just remember, I don't know, maybe I just remember thinking, I was just like, man, I'm so lucky like to, to, to be in, to be able to be able to experience some of the things that I've always wanted to do, uh, you know, firsthand to be able just to say that I did that. I got to, I got to throw, I got to throw on a big league mound and not only that, but having like a lot of success and, yeah. um, set like a couple of records here and there, which doesn't, doesn't mean anything, but it's just like, gosh, I, I did that. It's just kind of, it's just weird. Um, yeah. some guy from Evansville did that. It's just weird. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, I, I think it was just that. I just came and just like, man, I just, I'm just so lucky. And just, I was like finished running. I think I was talking to my mom or something. And I, and I ended up saying it. And I said, you know, what? I, I just, I think I'm, I think I'm good. I think I'm, I'm good. If I, if I can't play, I don't, I think I'll be able to play again. But if I don't, for some reason, I, I'll be, I'll be, I'm going to be okay. Because, yeah. you know, I'm, I feel like I'm going to always be around baseball. There's no way. There's no way around it for me. You know, I'm always going to be in the game and around it. And, um, you know, it's, I tell, I tell the kids, I tell kids and everything, you know, the, the failures that I went through on the field has made me a better player. So honestly with, I was used to be really hard on myself and, 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 and 
push my, you know, really try to really strain on a bad game or something. And I just, anytime I fail, you look at you almost, you're not happy with it, but you you almost invite it and spin it in a positive way. You know, I'm, I'm going to get better through this. Like how, how can I get better from that? And yeah. it's kind of the same, same way from the injury stuff. You know, it's, I went through all this stuff, but I knew if I get through this, if, and when I get through this, it's not if, when I get through this, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so much better. I'm going to be so much better. And, and, you know, looking back, I've learned so much about my body and just about the whole process of, uh, mental thinking, you know, faith, all that stuff. I've learned so much more about myself just through that whole process. So it's, it's like I said, it's going to make, it's made me stronger and it's going to help me, uh, continue for the rest of my career, hopefully another five to 10 years. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, that's that's a that's a great way to look at it. When if your if your career ended today and you were to look back on your career as it is right now, what are some of the moments like that that really stick out to you? Like you mentioned that you know your first start, you had a great start and set some records, but you know whenever you look back, like what are some of the highlights that really have been a, a meaningful experiences for you? And that could you know, maybe that's playing, maybe that's even off the field stuff, but like what have been some of the highlights of your career so far? Yeah, I think I think it's got to be like the people the people you meet. Like we, uh, you know, my wife, myself, we've 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 got like very strong relationships and built very strong relationships with with people from with Philadelphia and just going forward, they're going to be friends for us for the rest of our lives. And that's um, you know sometimes you meet people and you don't really know you, you have a connection with but you don't really know but you can just you, i can just tell with these people that we're going to have a relationship for our, for our entire lives and um that's like the i think that's the best part and the the clubhouse atmosphere that's what people say that's what players ex-players say most often that you know the, the clubhouse atmosphere the joking around the the stupid stuff you do or guys do there it's just you know just to pass the time and i think that's probably what you'll probably what you'll miss the most, you know, and then, you know, maybe if walking off and hearing that crowd or, you, you know, when the players run out to start the game, hearing the crowd and, and things like that after a, after a home run or run the field or whatever, it's, it's that, that's the stuff that really like really, really hits home. How did you and your wife meet? Cause I don't think she's not from Evansville. Is she? She's not, she's from Olney. Uh, I, we met in my sophomore year. Okay. Uh, my sophomore year, she was, it was in biology class. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. So that, yeah. I didn't know if maybe like whenever you got traded to Philadelphia, you met her or something like that. Yeah. I got the higher grade. <laughs> That's funny. Not really, but I like to think so. Yeah. Uh, A's and A. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what has been, uh, what's your, what's your favorite stadium to play in? Favorite stadium. Um, Cause I have a goal of going to every stadium and I'm about, I've been to like seven or eight. I went to, I went to Atlanta and the white Sox and Kansas city last summer. So we were okay. actually our, the next one on our list is San Diego. And this is before you even got traded there. That's <laughs> we were planning to go to San Diego. So if, if the season happens and we can travel and get out to San Diego this summer, I hope you'll be up with the big, the big league club, the big league club. Cause then we can, look you up and see before a game or something. So uh, that's the next one we want to go to, but what, what's uh what are your favorite stadium or what is your favorite stadium? And maybe some of the others that you have enjoyed playing in. So I would say Wrigley and Fenway, which I think are pretty standard. They're very similar. It's because the, the fans are right on you. Yeah. And 
the stadiums themselves hold less capacity than most, but they feel like double the amount of maybe the biggest stadium in the league. So it's kind of that's and it's it's just crazy to be able to walk in Fenway or Wrigley through this tunnel that the so you know the best players that have ever played this game have walked through. That yeah. is just for me that's insane. Yeah. Um, just you know, <laughs> just to create your your in the tunnel that those those same guys walk through. That was that's crazy. Um, man, that's it's it's probably it's probably Fenway really for that reason. Um, it's just it's just different, you know. It's just different uh, different atmosphere, different vibe for sure. And I'm a Cardinals fan, so I'd like to think that you at least enjoy coming back to St. Louis, if nothing else, but because your family is close enough to come watch you play. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 every time I get a chance to go to St. Louis, that was my childhood team, and hopefully I get to play for them at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, if it happens, it happens. But if it doesn't, it doesn't. But uh, that's that was – I always enjoy playing at St. Louis for sure. So one, one of the last questions I always like to ask people on this show, so the show is called In No Hurry, and the whole idea whenever I created this was, you know, we live these busy lives, and we try to create space to not be in such a hurry. Well, right now, we don't really have a, a choice but to not be in a hurry. So I usually ask people, what do you do to, to create that space? Well, now we've got it all, all kinds of time. So I guess, how are you spending your time, you know, whenever you're not doing baseball stuff? Um yeah, what 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 do you do to spend your time and, and relax and that kind of stuff? Yeah, so it's been it's been a lot of Netflix and we Netflix and HBO shows with the wife. Honestly, um, there's some Call of Duty mixed in there. Yeah, uh, with some of my good friends and my brother and things like that. So it's um, it's it's been it's been good. You know, I, I try to when it gets a little closer, I'm gonna start diving more into and I thought about in the thought about the past couple of days is watching some of my old games uh, just to get that get that train of thought of being in a stadium seeing who I'm who I'm facing who's in the batter's box and just getting that like train of thought going like all right here we go um, even though I was already there not not too long ago you know in person and doing it but just to kind of get that brain working and get that uh, get those thoughts moving for, for baseball so it's it's been an okay um, separation, you know. I think it's it's good to have a separation, be able to put baseball over here, and then come home and, and be yeah. be there, be present, be there. So um, that's that's what I'm that's what I've been doing, and that's what I'm probably going to be doing here in the soon uh, the near future. So since we're both from Evansville, I got to ask this too. What's been the best and worst part about being back in Evansville in a time maybe you didn't think that you'd be there? I mean, what's 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 been the best part about it, and then maybe the uh, the least desirable part about it? The le- tell you what, the least probably the least desirable currently is not being able to go eat some of the things that I'm like craving being back home. Because <laughs> it's you know either closed or just given this, this certain certain circumstances. But yeah. um, I, I think the best part is for for my wife and I is being able to enjoy our house that we kind of we we got in. Um, this past offseason was our first full offseason in the house. Uh, our the previous offseason we got it December fifth and didn't get in it till uh, a little bit sh- shortly thereafter. But uh, what part of town do you guys live in? We're on the north uh, northeast side. Okay. Yeah. No yeah. longer no longer a west sider then. 
<laughs> no, I'll always be a West Sider, but I, I've gotten I've gotten some flack for it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> we try. I, I tell them we tried to get to the West Side, but nobody wants to sell their house, so yeah, you know, everybody stays. Everybody just stays, stays there, yeah. They stays put. They stay put. So um, I can say that I tried and retried. So. My dad lives in Newburgh now, and he's a rights grad, and so he always got crap because he. Most of my family went to rights. My extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and my dad married my mom. And she went to Memorial and they moved okay. to the North side. And so me and my sister and brother all went to North mm-hmm. and the rest of my family went to Wrights. And so that's why whenever I got a teaching job and a coaching job at Wrights, I was really excited <laughs> because I was like, now I can at least fulfill the Claiborne duty of having rights attached to my name. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like we lived downtown whenever we, my wife and I lived in Evansville. So, and there was, we were right on the border of like where downtown and the West side kind of meet. We were right by uh, Ohio street and that kind of area. Mm-hmm. So People that are listening that are familiar with Evansville, I mean, we were pretty close to the West Side, so I like to think that I'm somewhat of a somewhat of a West Sider now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and then yeah, fit the mold, yeah. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, you're you haven't been able to eat some of the places. What are what are your what are your favorite places in Evansville to eat at, or just any? What are your favorite? You know, maybe that's coffee or wherever else. What are your favorite spots in Evansville? So I think it's 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 the it's the Donut Bank Donuts, which I I I don't eat many of or much of but i just when you when you can they're great yeah the hacienda chips and salsa is just it's the best and then uh we go to pangea pangea it's, oh yeah it's, that place that place is incredible um, yeah i've told a lot of people about it my brother my brother brought it to my attention we went there one time and it was just like hooked and pizzas there are really good yeah every, everything you get there is just is just really really well made it's just you can just taste it's fresh it's just really quality stuff so we really enjoy going to going there have you been down to any of the restaurants that are on main street that have opened i don't know how often like you get back to town but like there's comfort and then um cafe Arizu, which was in newburgh they opened up a location downtown and those are like my wife and i we live downtown so we, we would often eat at walton's or one of those two places yeah. so i've been i've been to walton's we uh i've been to walton's once or twice both times is really good, but it's been it's been a while since I've been back, and I I I know exactly what what, what you're talking about with those other restaurants, and like I said, heard good things. We've just never haven't been out there quite quite yet. Are you a coffee guy at all? Do you drink coffee? I drink I'd I'd say I drink coffee twice twice a month twice okay. a month. I've been drinking it a little bit more. On I drink it on Sundays because that's kind of like the down <laughs> day. I drink it on Sundays. Um, so I drink it, I guess, four times, four times a month. <laughs> Not a huge coffee. My wife is though. She's, she drinks a lot of coffee. Well, my, my friends own, it used to be called proper coffee and now they, uh, merged their coffee shop with their donut shop. It's called parlor donuts. So oh, yeah. if you go down, have you, have you been there at all? I haven't, uh, my, I it's like cronuts. Like they're like super good. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've heard really good stuff about them. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't been, haven't been down there yet either. Yeah, so they've got a downtown location, and then they've got that location on Green River Road. So I think they're still doing takeout during the quarantine-type situation. So if you don't want to get Donut Bank or you, if you're hankering for a donut, like they're almost too much for like, they're almost too much sugar for me, because, but they're really, really good. And so they their coffee's good. They've got really good donuts. They actually have gluten-free donuts, which is what my wife gets whenever we go there. So I, I do miss – like Bowling Green is chock full of great restaurants here too, but I do miss some of those spots in Evansville. You know, we, we moved here in October, so I miss – I miss those restaurants. I miss uh, Los Bravos every now and then. Oh yeah, Los Bravos. Tironi's a little bit every now and then too. So, yeah. 
Yeah. I, uh, anytime that I go back to Evansville, I usually try to hit up at least one of those spots whenever I can. So, yeah. Yeah. I hear you. Well, Jared, this was great. It was awesome to, to catch up with you. Uh, I, I, I hope baseball gets back soon. I'm kind of itching to, to watch some baseball. It just feels weird to be here in the middle of April and I can't just come home and turn on baseball. And, you yeah. know, even, even if I'm like working on something, I can't just throw baseball on the TV in the background. It's just, yeah. it's, it's so weird. This is the first, I mean, it's first year that I, I really for all any of us, it's the first year that we've gone to spring without baseball. And I don't, you know, the, the yeah. thing that sucks is we don't really know when we're going to get it back. So yeah. hopefully sooner rather than hoping later. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping so. And, um, there's an outside chance that it doesn't happen at all, but I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think it's, I don't think we're there quite yet. I think we got a lot of time and, and things like that. And I think we're going to get it done, but, um, yeah, it's just whenever it's safe, whenever it's safe, I think we're all going to be out there. We're all, we we want to play and we're going to be out there playing. So, well, yeah. So me and me and my wife, hopefully we can get out to San Diego this year. Uh, we definitely want to take the trip to the city itself, but I, I want to go when I can go to the a baseball game there. Cause I want to see the park. So, if you're up with the team, I'll, I'll hit you up and uh, yeah, for sure. Maybe we can meet up before the game and, and say hello. So it sounds good. Yeah, be BP or something. Yeah, there we go. All right. I've never I've never gotten to step foot on a major league field yet. So uh, that, yeah, we, like can, a, we can make that happen. We get a little BP in there or something. Uh, all right. So now I've got even more incentive for, for baseball to start up again. Yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, Jared, best of luck to you. I'm rooting for you. Uh, hoping you know the baseball season gets started soon and and hopeful you know hopeful we'll see your your name as a call-up for the big league team and uh, see you back on the mound sometime soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate appreciate that. He is one of my favorites. I always enjoy talking to Jared and getting a chance to catch up with him about his career, and I'm excited for him and his new situation with the Padres. He's just such a good guy, so I'm rooting really hard for him, just like I do with any other player that comes from Evansville and any other sport. I just hope he has nothing but success so I really appreciate him coming on and take some time to talk about his career and also sharing how his faith has played a role in his career I enjoyed hearing that as well so make sure that you give Jared a follow on social media I'll put his links in the show notes so reach out to him let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this show wish him some luck with his new situation in San Diego and make sure that you guys are checking out more than baseball as well they're doing some great work to help out guys like Jared during this time So make sure that you check out their website, check out their social media, whatever you can do to help them. I know that they'll appreciate it. And we're just trying to help minor leaguers navigate this crazy time like we all are as well. So check them out. If you guys need me at all, you know where to find me. I'm Cole Claiborne on pretty much any social media platform. Shoot me an email as well in no hurry at coleclaiborne.com. Would love to connect with you guys. Just let me know what you've enjoyed about this show so far. If you got any questions, any guest suggestions, feel free to shoot those my way. And I'd love to hear from you guys. But thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back on Monday and Thursday again next week. So have a great weekend. Find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.